Greetings, and welcome to 13 Pods of Horror. I'm your host, Troy, and I'd like to thank you for joining us on this journey into the realm of fear, the dimension of terror, and the cul-de-sac of the incredible. To begin with, I want to share with you my experiences of how horror had become so interwoven into the being by making my first episode about what I believe to be the scariest movie out there. To begin, I started running through a list of my favorite scary movies and ran into a problem. I don't have a single movie that completely terrifies me. Now, an obvious choice is my most mentioned horror film of all time, An American World from London, which I've stated over and over again was the subject of my first stab at making a podcast. Welcome to The Slotted Lamb is a movies-by-minute podcast devoted to the John Landis written and directed horror comedy classic. My number three on my top ten list of my favorite movies is this movie as well. It's the cornerstone of the building that is the movie geek in me. So I could rehash all the previous release material, or I could find something else. Now that's where the problem lies. What do I pick? And why do I pick it? I wrote out a list that had about 25 to 30 titles Then I shuffled them all around, but I couldn't figure out one title that stood out. Well, my next step was research. I asked a bunch of people that they, uh, what they thought was their, personally, their scariest movie that they'd seen. And as I expected, I got a variety of responses. Some movies I didn't consider too scary. Some I didn't even consider horror. Uh, One or two were foreign films I hadn't even heard of them. But while no one repeated a picture... However, when I asked why they chose that particular film, a great portion of the people said that it was the, at the time, it was the situation that made their particular movie scary to them. I had to rethink my list. I collected the Like Monster movies together. A zombie pile with Night of the Living Dead and its sequential movies. Tom Savini's 1980s remake the tribute return of movies. But when all was said and done, I love my zombies, but there was not one that stood out as scariest. I also found that with the other categories, ending with the same result. Vampires, werewolves, monsters, ghouls, sea creatures, aliens, demons, witches, mutants, psycho killers, qu'est-ce que c'est? Nothing shot up to the top. Mind you, movies I saw when I was 12, 13 years old that terrified me, like An American World in London, no longer hold that thrill. Mind you, when it comes to An American World, I'll still watch it at least once or twice a year. But it's definitely not the scariest anymore. I'd have to go at this at a different angle. I decided to focus on the type of horror instead of the subject matter. So I went through the types. The thrillers, the gore fests, the jump scares, the spooky atmospheres. It all hinged on the fact that I had to figure out which type of movie draws the viewer in the most, no matter what it was. Then it hit me. One of my favorite movie tropes. Well, besides the continuous tracking shot, I love a movie with a continuous tracking shot. But the found footage is my guilty pleasure. Even if it's not in horror, found footage is totally my favorite type of movie experience, but it seems to be pointed best to be a horror genre. Plus, 
if it's done right. It's so good. So come with me now into the Wayback Machine. The year is 1999. The internet is taking off. Almost a year before, the hype of Lucas's return to that galaxy far, far away has all the geeks glued to their monitors in hope of getting a glimpse of some sort of information on what we will see. Slowly as the spring of 1999 approaches, everyone is built up to a fever pitch at the anticipation. No matter what your opinion of the final product, you'd have to admit, though, the world was all swept up in the hype. At about the same time, some online chatter starts to grow about a recently discovered footage of three college kids and the documentary that they were working on. Things start off small, but soon explode into a website that was devoted to the discovery of the subject matter of the footage. This was the beginning of the Blair Witch Project, one of the greatest online marketing campaigns of its time. The fact that it took itself so seriously made it one of the best interactive experiences to date. Well before the footage was released to the public on July 30th, 1999, hundreds of people would visit the website daily to try and figure out what this whole entire thing was about. Was the Blair Witch real? What was it all about? Who were these three kids? And were they actually truly missing? The site provided enough backstory to the legend and to the students to fill out a full canvas of the experience. Mind you, you didn't need to know any of this information beforehand. It was enough to give you a stronger knowledge about the movies going on. Plus, if you were still interested in knowing more, you could always go to the site after seeing the movie in the theater, which would provide you with all and any answers that you would have. On a personal level, I love a good promotional campaign. Anything that successfully tries to bring its hopeful future audience into its world automatically gets a good grade for me. For example, the Samuel L. Jackson Snakes on a Plane online campaign consisted of a website that had a portion where you could send friends automated phone messages from Sam Jackson himself and through a series of drop-down menus could customize the message in several ways including being able to use actual names from a list of what seemed like about 200 to 250 different names. So needless to say, I got totally into the Blair Witch and all of its lore. At the time, my roommates also got into it as well. Directed, written, and edited by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez and starring Heather Donahue, Michael Williams, and Joshua Leonard. The Blair Witch Project grossed nearly $250 million worldwide, making it one of the most successful independent films of all time, while also being a sleeper hit. The film launched a media franchise, which included two sequels, novels, comic books, and video games. The film is credited with reviving the found footage technique, which was later used by similar successful horror films such as Paranormal Activity and Cloverfield. Myrick and Sanchez conceived of the fictional legend of the Blair Witch in 1993. They developed a 35-page screenplay with the dialogue to be improvised. A cast call advertised in Backstage Magazine was prepared by the directors. Donahue, Williams, and Leonard were cast. The film entered production on October 1997 with the principal photography taking place in Maryland for eight days. 
About 20 hours of footage was shot, which was edited down to 82 minutes. Shot on an original budget of $35,000 to $60,000, the film had a final cost of $200,000 to $750,000 after post-production edits. Development of the Blair Witch Project began in 1993. While film students at the University of Central Florida, Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez were inspired to make the film after realizing that they found documentaries on paranormal phenomenon scarier than traditional horror films. The two decided to create a film that combined uh, the styles of both. In order to produce the project, they, along with Greg Hale, Robin Chow, and Michael Monello, started Haxon Films. The namesake of the production company is Benjamin Christian's 1922 silent documentary horror film, Haxon, which in English translates to Witchcraft Through the Ages. Previously stated, the two developed a 35-page uh, screenplay. They went to uh, put an advertisement for a call for actors in uh, June of 96 in Backstage, and they actually got about 2,000 uh, actors to show up for that audition. According to Heather Donahue, auditions for the film were held at the Musical Theatre Works in New York City. Uh, the ad the uh, advertisement uh, said a completely improvised film would be shot in a wooded location. Donahue said, Donahue said that uh, during the audition, Myrick and Sanchez posed her the question, You've served seven years of a nine-year sentence. Why should we let you out on parole? To which she had to respond. Joshua Leonard said that he was cast due to his knowledge of how to run a camera, and no omnipotent camera was used in the film to film scenes. Pre-production began on October 5th, 1997, and Michael Monello became a co-producer. In developing the mythology behind the film, the creators used many inspirations. For instance, several characters' names were uh, near anagrams. Eli Kedwood, the Blair Witch, and Edward Kelly, a, 19th, a 16th century mystic, and Rustin Parr, a fictional 1940s child murderer, began as an anagram for Rasputin. Pre-production began on October 5th, 1997. In developing the mythology behind the film, the creators used many inspirations. For instance, several characters' names were near anagrams. Ellie Kedward, the Blair Witch, is Edward Kelly, a 16th century mystic. And Rustin Parr, the fictional 1940s murder, child murderer, began as an anagram for Rasputin. The Blair Witch is said to be, according to the legend, the ghost of Ellie Kedward, a woman banished from the Blair Township, later day Burkittsville, for witchcraft in, 19, in 1785. The directors incorporated that part of the legend was to play on the themes of injustice done to those who were classified as witches. With allusions of, to the Salem Witch Trials and the Arthur Miller's 1953 play, The Crucible. Among the other influences for this, the directors have stated that the television series In Search Of and horror documentary films, Chariots of Gods and The Legend of Bog Creek. 
A few other things, such as The Shining, The Omen, and Jaws, the latter film that was a major influence, was the uh, film Hides the Witch from the viewer for its entirety, increasing the suspense of the unknown. Principal photography began on October 23, 1997, in Maryland, and lasted eight days, overseen by cinema cinematographer Neil Fredericks, who provided the CP-16 film camera. The found footage was shot with a high 8 camcorder. Most of the film was shot in Seneca, Parks, in Seneca Creek State Park in, in Maryland, a few scenes were filmed in the historical town of Burkittsville. Some of the town's folks interviewed in the film were not actors, and some were planted actors, unknown to the main cast. Donahue said that she had uh, never operated a camera before and went on a two-day cross course. The actors are giving clues to their next location through messages hidden in 35mm film cans left in milk crates, that they found with global positioning satellite system. They were given individual instructions to use to help improvise, improvise the actions of the day. Teeth were obtained from the Maryland dentist who, for use in the human remains in the film. Influenced by producer Greg Hale's memories of his military training in which enemy soldiers would hunt a trainee through the wild terrain for three days. The directors moved the characters a long way during the day, harassing them by night and depriving them of food. The use of using the actors' actual real names is something that Donahue was regretting doing. She revealed in a 2014 interview that she had trouble finding new roles because of it. The final scenes where they were filmed in the historic Greg's house Griggs House, a 200-year-old building located in Patapsco Valley State Park near Granite, Maryland. Filming concluded on October 31st. When the Blair Witch Project premiered at the Sundance Film Festival at midnight on January 23, 1999, its promotional marketing campaign listed the actors as either missing or deceased. Owning to its successful run at Sundance, Artisan Entertainment bought the film's distribution right for $1.1 million. The film had a limited release on July 14th the same year, before expanding into wider releases starting on July 30th. While critical reception was mostly positive, audiences' reception was split. In October 1984, in October 1994, film students Heather, Mike, and Josh set off to produce a documentary about the fabled Blair Witch. They traveled to Burkittsville, Maryland, and interview residents about the legend. Locals tell them of Rustin Parr, a hermit who lived in the woods and kidnapped seven children in the 1940s. He supposedly killed them in his basement, murdering them in pairs, while one stands in the corner. The students explore the woods in North Burkittsville, to research the legend. They meet two fishermen, one of whom warns them that the woods are haunted. He tells them of a young girl named Robin Weaver who went missing in 1888. When she returned three days later, she talked about an old woman whose feet never touched the ground. The students hiked to Coffin Rock, where five men 
were found ritualistically murdered in the 19th century. Their bodies later disappeared. They camped for the night, and the next day find an old cemetery with seven small sharns, one of which Josh accidentally knocks over. That night, they hear the sound of twigs snapping. The following day, they try to hike back to the car, but cannot find it before dark and make camp. They again hear twigs snapping. In the morning, they find that the three sharns have been built around their tent. Heather learns her map is missing. Mike reveals he, he kicked the map into the creek out of frustration, which provokes a fight between the three as they realize they are lost. They decide to head south using Mike's compass and discover stick figures suspended from trees. They again hear strange sounds that night, including children laughing. After an unknown force shakes the tent, they hide in the woods until dawn. Upon returning to their tent, they find that the possessions have been rifled through, and Josh's equipment is covered with slime. They come across a river identical to the one they crossed earlier and realize they've walked in a circle. Josh disappears the next morning, and Heather and Mike try to find him in vain. That night, they hear Josh's agonized screams, but are unable to locate him. They theorize, they theorize that his screams are a fabrication by the witch to draw them out of their tent. The next day, Heather discovers a bundle of sticks tied with fabric from Josh's shirt. Upon opening the bundle, she also finds a blood-soaked scrap of his shirt containing teeth, hair, a finger, and a large piece of a tongue. Although distraught, she does not tell Mike. That night, she records herself apologizing to her family and Mike's and Josh's family, taking responsibility for their predicament. They again hear Josh's agonized cries and follow them into an abandoned house containing demonic symbols and children's bloody handprints on the walls. Trying to find Josh, they go into the basement, where an unseen force attacks Mike, causing him to drop his camera. Heather enters the basement screaming, and her camera captures Mike standing in a corner, facing the wall. Heather calls out to him, but he doesn't react. The unseen force attacks Heather, causing her to drop her camera, and the footage ends. Now, the following is taken from a previous episode of my other podcast, Geeking Off the Page. It's our Halloween-themed episode and the inspiration for the subject matter of this particular episode. The idea of us bringing the uh, scariest movie that we could to the particular podcast to talk about on our Halloween episode is what this is, and I am being joined by my co-hosts, Trevor, Gavin, and Mike, as we discuss my experiences with seeing Blair Witch Project for the first time. Just a bit of a heads up, there will be some duplicating information as this script that I had written out for this particular podcast also influenced what I talked about on that particular episode, so I may mention a couple of things once or twice, but please stick with it. It's quite entertaining. All right, so when it came down to uh, my choice, um, I was perplexed because I wanted to talk about the scariest movie that I had seen, and it actually took me to practically Thursday of this week to figure out what I was going to talk about because I just kept going through every single thing. And like in Trevor's top 10 list, I had a list of like 
30 some odd movies that I had written out and I'm like, okay, which one, which one's the scariest? And I just, I didn't make them in order. I just started writing out movies that I thought was, okay, this is scary. This has got some cool stuff. This is all that. And it took me forever to dwindle it down to what I wanted to do. And then I, I mean, I didn't want to talk on about my favorite horror film because it's the number three on my top 10 American world from London. I've talked ad nauseum about American world from London. It's just part of my makeup. American world from London will always be the best. So that I didn't want to rehash that once again. Um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is up in my top 10. And again, I've talked on about that as well. So I wanted to come approach something new that I hadn't really discussed a lot about and a genre of film that I actually enjoy within the horror um, genre. And um, I decided to watch again for the unknown time and all that, because I've just lost track of how many times I've saw this movie. But um, this is a movie that I saw back in 1999, uh, summer of 1999, I believe it was the end of July. And I believe I saw this movie with uh, Derek, Tour, and Trevor as well, um, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, we went out to buy tickets to see the movie. We weren't able to get to the early showing because, you know, it was a time when you couldn't buy tickets online very easily. So we bought tickets for a late show. So we decided to go to Boston Pizza and scarf down as much food to satisfy us and then go to the movie afterwards. And um, as we sat through this whole entire movie, um, the meal just didn't settle well with me. Uh, this was a handheld camera movie, motion sickness and a little upsetting and threw me right off. And I will tell you that the Blair Witch Project scared the crap out of me. Now, a lot of it was because of the situation I was in. Um, I the pizza? Had- the, the pizza definitely, definitely had everything to do with uh, my uneasiness throughout the sitting of this movie. Uh, it's only like an 81 minute long movie and all that. But I was so caught up into it because we actually got caught up into the whole entire, like the promotional stuff, all the online stuff. It was one of the first movies that had done viral marketing before viral marketing was even an actual thing. Um, they just we went to the website we saw all the like the history of what these three kids that have gone missing there was posters and all that that they had printed up that uh, have you seen these missing kids and all that we went and saw all the archive footage I using quotes footage of what the Blair Witch was what's went on in uh, the Blair in in the witch uh, the Blair um uh, area and all that and what it meant so we had more information about the movie that wasn't actually given to you in the movie I mean it was very subtle it was very whatnot but we had more information and when stuff happened and all that I will tell you <clears throat> that closing shot of Michael standing in the corner with his face turned to the corner chilled me to the bones and I will without a word of a lie had nightmares for at least three months not like every single night but for about three months running I would have nightmares where that shot I would have in my dreams and I would always wake up in a darkened room and not convince myself that I was still asleep 
that shot of Michael standing in the corner in black and white, knowing what was about to happen to the person holding the camera and all that, which is something that they don't really explain much in the movie. They hint at sort of things. But if you did your research beforehand, you found out what the reason why that he was standing in the corner sort of thing. And it was, it just chilled me to the bone. And to this day, even when I even think of it, or I, I'm just going through like pictures of like the cast and all that sort of thing. If I see a photo of that final shot of Michael standing in the corner, facing the, the corner of the wall, the skin, I start to get goose pimples on my skin and all that. The hairs on the back of my neck sometimes stand up. And as I was figuring out what I was going to do, I was like, okay, I'm going to write up something quickly to see it all that. And then I was coming to the scene and that final scene and hairs back on the neck started to stand up and all that. So I love that movie. And I so was put off at the time scene. And again, it was the situation. I was sitting there in a movie theater. It was a packed theater too, because it was opening weekend. It was, it was the four of us, right, Trevor? It was, it was. I had the big brute at Boston Pizza. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And we scarfed down a <laughs> lot of food. And in comparison between the other three guys and me, I'm a very small guy, but I can eat packing a lot of food as well. So, but we also had to rush it because we only had like an hour and a bit to mm -hmm. get to our next showing and all that. So we mm -hmm. thought, ah, sure, we got plenty of time. And of course it took forever to get the food. And then we're all like shoving it down. And then you're sitting in this packed theater. It's the middle of summer, even though the air conditioner is mm -hmm. on, it's, it's a, and it's one of the smaller mm -hmm. theaters, I believe as well, that we were sitting in. And, and uh, so it was cam. just, and the shaky cam and like, like, oh, oh man, thank God. But it's such a beautifully done movie. And then when you go back and find out what, how it actually was done and what it actually went into, because I mean, you know, you're not going to watch a snuff film. They're not going to release a snuff film, but the work that they put into putting this thing made it such an amazing um, uh, project to be part of just was so good. And that's why I, I will always go back to Blair Witch as one of my favorite horror films. So that's that's the horror film that I went through this uh, this weekend. So that's one that I saw with the new bride. Uh, you know, a couple of years after the honeymoon, but this was one month before my oldest daughter was born, and so we were, <laughs> we were in Hawaii watching this one, and right. it was yeah, it was a good experience. One thing I liked about it was it did seem like it was almost a snuff film. Mm -hmm. And from a filmmaker point of view, you realize, wait a second, you can actually release a theatrical release with like handheld cams and like well, this this movie's credited with revived footage, found footage technique and yeah, exactly, storytelling. Yeah. So a lot of other films are came out because of this film. Yeah, yeah, and the, the, also the fact that they filmed they made this film for a budget of like half a million dollars and pulled in like almost two hundred and fifty million dollars. I yeah. mean, every di distribution company was like, we got to make some found footage films. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think what made this film work is we never saw the witch, ever. Yeah. There was so much alluded to. Wasn't there one shot? Nope. Wasn't there... We... Actually, actually, there was actually supposed to be a shot, but the sequence when they're running through the forest and they're like the camera, like they're running through the forest, the camera was supposed to turn and see apparently 
the director was supposed to be dressed up in some sort of costume to scare them that was supposed to be off to the side. So you just get a glimpse of it. But the camera footage never captured him. So they never got yeah. the shot that they wanted. Okay. And then, but, yeah. I think that's what made it so successful is exactly. Yeah. We never saw the witch. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, when she's standing there with the camera and you see Josh in the corner and she's calling out to him. And I bet every person in that theater was like, wait a second. They were always murdered in pairs. The one had to stand in the corner. Stand in the corner. Yeah. He's standing in the corner. What she ended yeah. up like the camera's knocked to the side and it's still focused on him in the corner. Yeah. And you're hearing sounds and you're like, oh. Uh, yeah. Oh. Dude, you explain it, you explain it to me. It's getting me to like chills and all that yeah. sort of thing. It's, yeah. It's so that, it's, yeah. And I remember sitting like when we were in the audience, like like in the audience and at that, people were just freaking out they're like he's standing in the corner he's standing and then when the camera gets knocked over i remember there was like a girl like halfway down the road from her just she let out like a soul piercing yeah she yeah i was just about to say it was a definite shriek yeah and it was a fantastic way to end that movie and the fact that you know movie ends right there and people are and i just remember thinking they never showed the witch not once so it's all left to your imagination what she looks like what she can do yeah, it's weird because I have a clear image in my head. I haven't seen this movie for a long time, but I have an image. So if that's the image my brain created, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those Mandela effects of people like, oh, yeah, I, I saw the witch and the, she was never in it. So, yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of cool that, you know, people will come up with their own... Um, you know, a version of what this witch looks like. But there's no, there's no witch. There's... Exactly, yeah. I mean, subsequently um, they made uh, video games based on the three different storylines that make up the Blair Witch mm-hmm. uh, storyline. Um, so yeah, it's it's just yeah. But it's one thing. That's one of the reasons why that movie stuck with me so much yeah. because no, the I think parents have seen it. The 2016 remake. They yep. actually put the witch behind her at one point. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the, yeah. the, that's the image a lot of people see. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the closest thing they have to that is like that stick scarecrow thing. Yeah. That's yeah. the closest you, cause you'd see them hanging there. Um, but yeah. It's, yeah. That was also, that was along with a bunch of the promotional and all that sort of thing. So yeah. 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 But we, we never got to see her. And I think the original what, never showed. That's yeah. what made that, that film so successful. It's almost like Jaws. The less you show the shark, the more terrifying it is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now back to your regularly scheduled program. Just to let you know, if you're interested, there are some actual visuals that go along with that particular sequence. The actual episode can be found on our YouTube channel. Just search for Planet Geek Productions, and it will be the Geeking Off the Page Halloween episode from 2022. So while the Blair Witch Project might not be the scariest movie available... From the perspective and situation that I found myself in, upon watching it for the first time, it made for one hell of an impact on me. Providing that when it's done right, promotional campaigns count, and nothing beats seeing a movie opening night in a theater filled with spirited, like-spirited observers. As stated earlier, the Blair Witch Project spawned other media such as two sequels, of which I am going to be briefly going over, novels, comic books, and video games, also something I will go over as well. Directed and co-written by Joe Berlinger, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, 
is a metafiction horror film starring Jeffrey Donovan, Stephen Barker, Turner, Kim Director, Erica Lernshin, and Tristan Schuyler. Its plot revolves around a group of people fascinated by the mythology surrounding the Blair Witch Project. They go into the Black Hills, where the original film was shot, and experience supernatural phenomenon and psychological unraveling. Released on October 27th, 2000, has a running time of 90 minutes. Originally conceived by Berlinger and co-writer Dick Beebe as a psychological thriller and mediation on mass hysteria, Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 was significantly altered in post-production, which Berlinger would later claim compromised his original vision. Along the changes were a new soundtrack, additional editing, and an integrating a whole entry of new sequences. Though Book of Shadows marketing campaign made no attempt to present the film as a true story, the promotional dossier for the film, compiled by D.A. Stern, was released including fabricated police reports and interviews surrounding the events in the film as they were fact. Additionally, similar to the first movie, each of the main characters retained their first names for the respective actors, though their surnames are changed slightly. On October 22nd, the Sci-Fi Channel premiered Shadow of the Blair Witch, a pseudo-documentary following Book of Shadows protagonist Jeff and others who are transfixed by the Blair Witch phenomenon. The documentary recontextualizes Book of Shadows as being a Hollywood film based upon actual events that happened in the Blair Witch universe. The fictional documentary charts both the mythology of the Blair Witch alongside Jeff's criminal prosecution for the murders depicted in the film. Artisan Home Entertainment released Book of Shadows on VHS on February 20th, 2021. Also on March 13th, a double-sided DVD and CD package was released. The disc was marketed as being the first ever DVD CD. Side 1, the DVD, includes a feature film along with audio commentaries, production notes, and live music video from the Secrets of Ezver featurette as bonus material. Side 2, the CD, featured three tracks from the original soundtrack as well as Charter Burnwell's full musical score. Additionally, Artisan released a media package called The Blair Witch Experience, which includes the original film on DVD, The Book of Shadows DVD and CD, and three-piece Blair Witch PC game series. More on that in a moment. And a necklace of the sick man figure featured in the films. I would like it to be pointed out at this particular moment that this is the version of the Blair Witch Project, Blair Witch 2, and the video games that I currently own. Much like the first Blair Witch, Book of Shadows also features a marketing gimmick, although this one centered around the film's video release. Fully exploiting video technology, both the DVD and VHS releases came with a feature at, entitled The Secrets of Esver. Esver is a word reverse spelled backwards. A number of near subliminal messages in the form of hidden words and images that were placed throughout the film. Feature it encouraged viewers to watch certain scenes in reverse or frame by frame in order to decode the secret. And through scrambled letters flashed through the program, uh, offered five clues to where they could be found. Door, water, mirror, rug, and grave. 
These images were not included in the theatrical cut of the film, and they were rather added specifically for the original home video release. Subsequent releases, particularly in digital formats, do not have the clues. An example of these messages can be seen in an early scene in the film where the main characters are in a graveyard, standing behind a tombstone inscribed with the word treacle. The shot briefly cuts away and then cuts back through the same, though the same tombstone now reads further. This is then seen for approximately one second until it cuts away again and the tombstone once again reads treacle for the remainder of the scene. When all the clues are identified, the hidden words when put in the correct order, spell out, seek me no further, plus an additional hidden word, or, viewers could then go to the official Blair Witch website and type the words into a special search box. Typing, seek me no further, would play an extra scene from the film. And typing, seek me, seek me no further, or, would enable them to add their names to a list of people who had also decoded the message. As of 2008, this function is no longer available. Blair Witch PC games are a trilogy of survival horror games developed by Terminal Reality and released for Microsoft Windows in the year 2000. Volume 1, Rust and Par. The story takes place in the year 1941 and with the expectation of the opening section of the Spookhouse HQ, the game takes place over four days. Following her training, research scientists Elsepeth Doc Holliday is dispatched to the town of Burkittsville by the Spook House, a fictional classified government agency charged with investigating paranormal occurrences. When given the assignment to look into the legend of the Blair Witch, she is partnered with the Stranger, but decides to go out on her own as the Stranger is skeptical of the witch's existence. It is reported that during the early 1940s, a hermit named Rustin Parr abducted eight children from Burkittsville and apparently, without motive, murdered all but one in his basement. The player must guide Holiday through her investigations to see if there is any truth to Parr's claim that the, he was under the influence of otherworldly forces when he committed the murders. Blair Witch Volume 2 The Legend of Coffin Rock brings the players back to the year 1886. During the Civil War, a dying Union soldier called Lazarus with amnesia, is rescued by some villagers. In return, he agrees to help them find a young girl who has gone missing in the dangerous woods of Burkittsville, home to the mysterious Blair Witch. Not only must he find her before time runs out, he must also solve the, his past, who he is, where he's from, and why he's dressed in a Civil War uniform. Lazarus must explore locations in the town to find items to talk to the local inhabitants. Sometimes Lazarus will go, will black out and flash back to his time in the war, where he must lead a small group of men to flush out a retreating company of Confederacy soldiers. Against soldiers and his past, and monsters in the present, Lazarus has the same weapons. A cavalry sword and a six-shooter pistol. Blair Witch Volume 3, The Ellie Kedward Tale. The final episode of the trilogy is an original story that was not mentioned in the film. The story focuses on the how the Blair Witch legend came to be. The game is set in 1785, in the early days of Blair Township, later renamed Burkittsville. The story's main character of Jonathan Pry, a former priest who left the clergy during a crisis of faith, 
Prine, now a witch hunter, is called to Blair to investigate events related to the disappearance of a woman called Ellie Kedward a few weeks earlier. Ellie was accused of witchcraft after it was found that she had been drawing blood from the local children and performing pagan rituals. She was tried, convicted, and sentenced to be banished from the town. Instead, the locals tied her to a wheelbarrow, dragged her to a nearby woods, and left her to freeze to death. Kedward disappeared from the wheelbarrow to which she was tied and was never seen again. A few days later, children from the township began to disappear, and the terrified villagers began to flee. Only the local magistrate, Jonathan, and the township chaplain, Father Hell Goodfellow, remained behind. Father Goodfellow is convinced that a supernatural force is at work. Jonathan, a skeptic, refuses to believe this. Assuming Kedward is behind the kidnappings and is still at large near the town. On a personal level, I am not a gamer. I have uh, never really been interested in playing a lot of video games. There are a handful that I have, but these three particular video games, while I do possess them, I have never actually played them. A third movie was produced. Directed by Adam Wingard and written by Simon Barrett, Blair Witch is a 2016 found-footage supernatural horror film and is a direct sequel to the 1999 film The Blair Witch Project. While ignoring the events of its 2000 follow-up, The Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Given the events of that being a film within a film, Blair Witch stars James Allen McCune, Kelly Hernandez, Brandon Scott, Corbin Reed, Valerie Curry, Wes Robinson. The film shot in a found footage style follows a group of college students and their local guide who venture into the Black Forest Hills in Maryland to uncover the mystery surrounding the prior disappearance of Heather Donahue, the sister of one of the characters. Released in September 16th, 2016, has a running time of 89 minutes. Development of this film began in September of 2009, when creators of the franchise Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez announced their intent to produce a third Blair Witch film. The film was a sequel to the first film, which potentially contained the actors from the first film in some context, and would not refer to any of the events from the Book of Shadows. In 2011, Sanchez remarked that further development on the sequel depended on getting Lionsgate to approve the idea and for his and Myrick's schedule to match up. The film went into development hell, and later the script was thrown aside. In 2013, a third Blair Witch film, which was in talks again, with Wingard and Barrett being hired to work on a new script. Initially, the film's connection to the Blair Witch franchise was kept secret with the film having been shot under the fake title, The Woods. In July 2016, it was revealed to the San Diego Comic-Con that the film, marketed with a faux title, The Woods, actually turned out to be a sequel to Blair Witch. The film premiered at San Diego Comic-Con on July 22, and was screened at the Toronto International Festival on September 11th, before being theatrically released in the United States on September 16th by Liongate. That, in a nutshell, is the Blair Witch Project 
and all of its subsequent franchises. Video games are not really up to the standards of video games nowadays. It was kind of interesting to get all the backstory after you had seen the original project. Going into seeing the Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows, again that is the Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2, was an interesting way to continue on the series. But now that Blair Witch is out there sort of basically negating the Book of Shadows storyline, it's kind of nice to see that they attempt to get back to the original story idea of the Blair Witch Project by involving a continuation of the original story. Now, of course, knowing all we know about it now, it now makes it less of a documentary and then more of a sort of a rehash of a story idea. The fact that the Blair Witch from 2016 tries to make it seem like it's still part of the reality found footage sort of thing sort of loses a little luster knowing so much about the original Blair Witch Project. But again, like I had stated before, the original reason for me talking about the Blair Witch Project was the fact that at the time, with the experience, I got so swept up in the idea of this whole entire universe that it was so convincing to me. And again, I was scared. I was terrified. I had nightmares about that final shot of seeing Michael standing in the corner of the unfinished dirt ground basement knowing what was about to happen to the camera holder which was at the time was Heather so it was just something that stuck with me for quite a bit and I have yet to actually was Heather so it was just something that stuck with me for quite a bit and I have yet to actually have that experience since then it is now the year 2022 and I have never had a movie made me feel that uncomfortable for that long after seeing the movie. Yes, I've seen movies that have scared me. Yes, I've seen movies that have terrified me. But a lot of them lose their luster after a couple of hours after having seen the movie. Will I continue to talk about them? Yes, because they scared me. I want to have other people. For an example, the movie that has just recently been released actually on Disney Plus, Barbarian. Do yourself a favor. That is a very scary movie. The only reason I didn't do Barbarian as this particular type of episode is because you really don't need to know anything about Barbarian going into it because it will definitely kind of spoil it. But that being said, do yourself a favor. If you have not seen Blair Witch Project, try and put yourself in the mindset of the era that the actual movie was released. Try and think back to what the world was like in 1999. And if you can do that, you're going to really enjoy this movie because of what it is. And again, like stated earlier, it basically spawned a whole entire fresh new series of found footage horror films. And you know what? When they're done good, they're done really good. And you know what? Blair Witch Project? It's done real good. Well, looks like you've made it to the end of the episode. And I'd like to thank you again for doing so. Have yourself a good night. This has been 13 Pods of Horror, a Planet Geek production. Please be sure to subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can reach out to us 
through our social medias on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. Search for Planet Geek Productions. On Instagram and Twitter, search Planet Geek Pod. Or send us an email at planetgeekpod at gmail.com. So until the 13th day of the next month, don't pick up any hitchhiking ghosts, and be sure to hurry back.